Welcome back to the next episode of Ranked. I'm your co-host, Quentin Philpson, and we always take some franchise or some random inconceivable thing to put together in a ranking and make our list here. And this time around, we are taking a famous animated franchise that's not Pixar, and that's going to be the Studio Ghibli franchise. And I was the one that came up with this. I went to my buddy here and I said, pick any franchise you want to rank and let's do it. He first said Pixar and I said, we can't do that because that's the only one I've done before. And he said, all right, second pick is Studio Ghibli and that is Trex. How are you doing this week? Glad to be here, man. This is, uh, I'm just really happy to be here and uh, rank what I'd say is probably, in my opinion, the best animated studio. I mean, you know, Pixar, obviously, I grew up with them, but I really do love Ghibli. Yeah, so I would love to know, like, what made you pick Ghibli? Like, how did you grow up with uh, this franchise? It's a funny thing. I didn't really grow up with it, per se. Like, the first experience I had with them was, like, I was, like, in the second grade. I was at an Ikea, and some guy put Spirited Away on the one of the TVs, and it was, like, the scene of, like, the witch, and I was, like, this looks so creepy. Who would ever want to watch this? And then, like, that's to, like, 2020, and I'm like, oh, these films, like, what else am I going to do? So I started watching these films, and I just got really hooked on them, and I just binged through their entire library. So you binged them in 2020, like, about a year ago? Yeah, because they had all uh, come to Netflix, uh, and all the other streaming platforms, so I was like, yeah, okay, it, it, it's time, and like, yeah, I just, I got through them, because this is when I was really getting into Letterboxd. Yeah. Yeah, my, I kind of watched Spirit Away a few times when I was a kid, but really my first experience with this was when you said, let's do a Studio Ghibli ranking, and I went, all right, and then I kind of watched the movies in order really so i started with the valley of the wind but yeah that was my experience i started a few months ago and it was honestly a, quite a ride way better than i thought it was gonna be i kind of thought i don't know i don't really like anime shows or anything uh, i kind of just associate everything animated from that area to not really be for me but i i don't know what it is about these movies i feel like they are relatable to almost anyone even my fiance uh i think she loves them more than me i think everybody finds mm. these movies just enjoyable and they're very childlike yeah like it feels kind of like ghibli films and anime are like in their own separate sphere you know yeah no it feels very different and all these movies there's a lot of wonder and childlike viewpoints through all these films, and I think that's what makes them fun. You kind of have your inner child come out. Uh, something that you don't really get with, you know, like other animated franchises. I feel like these work pretty well. They can also be, like, really mature, like, tackling more, like, adult themes, and, like, a lot of them just solely center around adults and growing up and all that, which I really like. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, there's definitely some kind of reflecting on your past and really similar to Pixar, where it reaches out to all different kinds of fields, but uh, in its own way, for sure. Uh, Pixar is more experimental, uh, and this one feels more... Uh, they, they all kind of have similar... Uh, well, you know, <laughs> the, the 2D style, except for one of them. So they feel very <laughs> like... You look at a film 
from Ghibli and you instantly go, yeah, you know, that, that's a Ghibli film. They kind of have that look to it. Yeah, exactly. No, and I like that. So uh, what was your first full-time watching a Studio Ghibli film? Was it Spirited Away? I feel like that's most people's. Oh, it was Ocean Waves. No, I'm kidding, no. It was, it was Spirited Away. I, asked for, um, I saw it on like a YouTube channel. Someone recommended, oh, Spirited Away is like the greatest animated movie of all time. And I was like, yo, can I get Spirit Away for Christmas? And uh, I got the DVD and watched it. And uh, I didn't love it at first, but it took me a little while. But, like, now I do. Yeah, that would have been funny if your first one was Ocean Waves and you still watch the rest of them. I feel like if that's the one you're starting with, you might just close the book on that and be like, all right, Ghibli's not for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I do wish I, like, I grew up with these because... They look like great films to grow up with, but, you know, Pixar ain't half bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No complaining here. Uh, yeah, these would be great to watch as a kid, I think. Like, they're so fun and pure. But, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I watched them for the first time this year, so I definitely was not a child watching these. Yeah. Then I also grew up with, like, Illumination, which the less said about that, the better. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I'd much rather grow up with these than... You know, the minion. Yeah. But anyways, we can get started with the list here. Uh, For those that don't know, there are 23 Studio Ghibli films. Trex and I have all politely laid these out for us uh, in our own ranking here. And we can get started. So we can go with the worst film, according to us, from Studio Ghibli. uh, And that will be the Tales from Earthsea. Which Trex hey. himself has it at number 23. I have it at 22. So I, I thought there was one that was worse. But yeah, this one's definitely more on the bottom of the barrel. Uh, but you had it at last, Trex. Why is this, according to you, the worst Ghibli film? Man, it just it had so much potential. Like, this came out, I think, like, 2006. That's when everyone was, like, really into The Lord of the Rings. And, like, you look at the the poster, and it looks like this huge fantasy epic and it just feels like there's so much potential but you watch the film and i actually think like the first 15 minutes are all right but then it's just it's boring and it's weird and it's poorly paced and it's it's not well thought out nothing is explained and the ending is a mess and but there are good elements but man i was i was disappointed and that's with me knowing that everyone thought this was like one of their worst yeah, yeah, I knew going in that it was one of the worst just based on the letterbox score alone. That's where I base all of my judgment going into a movie on the letterbox score. And I went, oh, wow, people seem pretty low on this. And then the first 10 minutes show up and it's dragons in the sky and this rain coming down. And I was like, man, this looks epic. This is going to be fun. Man, how can people put this at a 2.2? This looks awesome. And then, yeah, uh, after those 10 minutes, it was just kind of a boring, messy adventure yeah, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't great. I didn't put this last because it had the cool first 10 minutes, and that's purely why. Yeah, the, the dragons are cool. I wish they leaned more into the epic scale. You're right. This is 2006. Everyone's high off of medieval lore and dragons. But no, it, it didn't work out too well. I agree with that. Yeah, and like, I, I remember being so intrigued because like at the beginning, the kid, like, kills his father out of nowhere and i'm like whoa why do you do that this is i'm really hooked and then 
I don't remember exactly what it was, but they gave like the stupidest explanation as to why he killed his father. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I thought there was going to be a really interesting reason why, and that was the only reason why I was kind of paying attention during this whole movie. I was like, well, I got to know why he killed his own father. Like, this is going to be a cool reveal. And it was kind of just like, yeah, he burnt my toast this morning, and I was upset about it. Like, something lame. And I was really put off by that. I was like, what? Come on. They, they could have thought of a really epic why, uh, reason why. Yeah. I, I like some of the characters. I like the, the wizard guy, Timothy Dalton. I thought he was cool. And the villain, voiced by Willem Dafoe, I feel like he was kind of wasted on this movie, but I liked him. Yeah, and I thought the, uh, the bad guy was kind of cool. I thought, uh, I thought near the end, just the, the design of the bad guy looked pretty interesting. Yeah, the, the, the lead guy's not something to break home about. I thought he was kind of boring. Uh, the main, like, I, th- I think his name was, like, Aaron. Uh, I hated him. <laughs> he yeah. was... Yeah. Yeah, and the bag of, uh, is vo- it's a guy, but it's voiced by a girl. That guy? Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was really mind-blown by that. I was like, man, that's a pretty cool voice. Let me look up who, who voiced this person. And it was some girl. It's like, oh, wow, I, I had no idea. But I should ask this beforehand, but did you watch the subtitled versions of these films or the uh, English dub of these films? No, I watched the English dub. No way was I going to sit through Tales of, from Earthsea uh, in the normal language. Really? Because are you talking about the main villain with like the uh, well, black well, hair? Maybe, maybe I watched the English dub and then I looked up the voice and I got the voice of the original. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, no, the villain is voiced by Willem Dafoe. Oh, I know. Okay, see, that's why it sounded cooler. Yeah, I was like, man, this is a really cool voice. Well, that makes way yeah. more sense. Yeah. Okay, I probably looked up the uh, the four. I probably watched the English. Went, wow, Willem Dafoe's got a really fucking cool voice. Let me look up who voiced it, and I looked up the original. Yeah, that that happens sometimes. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good actors and actresses. Uh, did voices for these films. I was pretty shocked. Because they got Disney to handle most of the dubs, so they always, they try to bring in, like, big names for them. Yeah. I think they do a pretty good job most of the time. No, I, yeah, no, I thought they, I thought the voice work was really good. For sure. Alright, anything else you want to say about your least favorite movie tracks? Do you want to shit on it one more time, or are we good to go for 22? Uh, I'll, I'll leave you at this. I, I feel bad for Goro. The director of this movie, because you know he's Miyazaki's son, he's kind of thrown into this position. But his dad was kind of really ruthless about this movie when he saw it, and oh, I'm glad really? he kind of got back up on the horse again to direct uh, from up on Poppy Hill later. Oh, I had no idea that they were related. That's funny. Anyways, we can go on to number twenty-two, and this is going to be my least favorite of the franchise and that's going to be ocean waves which i put at 23 you put at 22 uh so it was tied with tales from Earthsea. uh and those that haven't listened to a ranked podcast before if it's a tie the guests their least favorite goes first on the like goes last uh so we follow the guests uh ranking for that so ocean waves gets 22nd here yeah i just think this one's way more boring at least the other one had a 10 minute dragon scene ocean waves is extremely boring it's like a 70 minute film that goes on it feels like a day it was it was it, was, it felt long you were gonna pick your wig as your favorite as your least favorite 
No, I, no, no. Earwig, hey, it, I think Earwig's better than the two we just discussed. Uh, Earwig, you know, it's not, it gets a bad rap. I mean, we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah, yeah we'll get to it. Yeah, man, Ocean Waves is just, man, like, if you didn't know this was, like, done by, like, the younger staff at Ghibli who wanted to, like, prove themselves, and I can see where this movie may have had potential, but, like, there's just a few things that really ruin it. Like, again, it's pretty boring. And just the main girl, Rikako, so, she's so awful. Uh, and, like, you're supposed to believe, oh, wait, these two guys actually want to date her? Yeah, yeah, these two guys were, like, head over heels for this girl. And I was like, I don't see it. Like, I don't know. If, if I was one of the guys, I'd be like, you know what, buddy? Uh, if, if you want her, go right ahead. Like, you know, it's not worth my time. Yeah, I don't really get the, the hype that uh, this girl gave to these two men. I will say this. I do really like, um, I mean, I, I guess I like these for almost every Ghibli film, but I love the animation. I like it's, it. Um, it feels a lot calmer. Uh, than the other films, and I also really love the soundtrack for this movie. Yeah, I watched this the same day I watched, what was it, Whisper of the Heart? I watched them back-to-back. And it was the worst two to watch back-to-back because they're both about, like, school children and, like, their school uniforms. Uh, But the story... So, like, they both looked very similar in style, and they're both very, like, calm uh, films compared to the rest of the franchise, or, you know, compared to the rest of the Ghibli films. But uh, the story just feels so much more boring, and I watched it right after, so it just felt like a huge step down. Uh, Yeah, it was not that exciting for me. It's like ocean waves walked so that Whisper of the Heart could run. Exactly, yeah, yeah, you you nailed it right there. It really did feel like we, they really had a real boring one just to make Whisper of the Heart just look that much more exciting. But yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Ocean Waves, it's honestly like this is my least favorite, but I don't even actively hate it. It is just so boring to me. Like, I don't hate any of these movies, but yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's a bummer. I agree. One thing I do want to say about the film is that there's a YouTube video by a guy named like Elacrice. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but he actually made a video about Ocean Waves where he like reframes the narrative. So it's actually a love story, an unrequited love story between the two main boys. And it's actually like way better. And it kind of retroactively made the film better in my eyes. Like obviously it's not, yeah. you know, canon, but it was, it made it way more interesting through this lens. That's awesome. No, that's funny. Um, yeah. Ocean waves. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I just, I couldn't get into it. I feel like by far it's the most boring Ghibli film. At least Earthsea has, like, a dragon for a few seconds. Uh, but th- that's pretty much it. I think Ghibli as a whole... Has, but you know what? You're pretty good company if your worst film is just extremely boring. Like, there's nothing atrociously bad. Yeah, but Ocean Waves did not have dragons, though. You bring up a good point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's literally my argument. Earthsea had dragons for, like, ten minutes of its, uh, like, forever long runtime. Uh, Ocean Waves didn't, so... There you go. Take that. Um, but yeah, I, I liked the two guys. I thought the two guys were fine. Uh, yeah. You know, I, like, I don't hate the characters. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the movie. All right, are we ready for number 21? 
Yeah, I have a feeling I know what this one's going to be. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, uh, we're both on the same page. 21 is where this is placed, and we both have it at 21, and that is going to be Earwig and the Witch. Yeah, I actually saw this one in theaters, because I was like, because, you know, obviously I jumped on the Ghibli train late, so I was like, yo, a new Ghibli films in theaters? I gotta see this, even if it looks like that. Yeah, Earwig and the Witch. It's odd that they decided to go for the 3D animation. It is interesting, because for so long they've been going away from it, and I think that's its biggest issue. I think the character designs and just how they're animated look pretty pretty terrible but i think uh i thought some of the sets looked nice i thought the kitchen that they were in was really pretty i thought the way the house looked in the animation was actually pretty interesting i kind of liked the design but the characters were were, were pretty terrible i like that um i forget his name i like the really tall guy with the glasses yeah i think he was actually kind of neat yeah, no, no, I thought his design was cool. Yeah, I was thinking more so, yeah, the, the the main girl, Earwig, and the witch. So I guess the two titular characters. But, you know, I thought the, the long guy in his glasses and, like, the flames that come out, uh, I thought he looked pretty good at times. Yeah, the animation, I'm not going to beat around the bush. It ain't, like, good, but I don't know. I kind of, like, when you look at, like, Disney or DreamWorks, it's pretty obvious they switched to, C to solely CGI, because it's what made a profit. I feel like Ghibli, instead, they wanted to try out um, CGI. Because, you know, they just wanted to try something new. And obviously, it probably didn't deliver. But I admire them for going a bit out of their comfort zone. Yeah, exactly. And I think it was you, your review, or someone else that uh, I'm friends with. Somebody in their review mentioned that every studio, when they make their first 3d style it looks like crap and yeah that's true like this looks terrible but it's also their first i'm sure if they had a few more 3d styles i don't know if they'll go back to it after the backlash but if they do i'm sure it'll start looking really nice and i'm sure ghibli could kill it but yeah you know it was their first foot out the door uh, it doesn't look great uh but honestly i would excuse that if i thought the story was great i thought the story was fine i didn't really love the story for the most part i kind of liked the earwig character i thought she was really relate like just quirky and fun and her trying to figure out that she's a witch uh, that's really exciting uh but i think <laughs> everyone has agreed it literally stops half through the story literally the story just started picking up and you're like okay maybe this is gonna be good and then the credits come and you're like oh wait a second it's, it's, it's over yeah it's like i think i figured out why i this story doesn't work because it's like i've heard that's a pretty accurate adaptation of the book um but it probably wasn't a great book to actually adapt because like i look at the plot and i think this would work much better as like a just a kid's book but as a movie it just doesn't work because they're in one location the entire time and it just ends before it gets going so it like i don't know it it was not a great choice to adapt yeah i think that's fair uh, the story yeah, maybe they should have picked a better book because it definitely feels like uh, there's a lot left in the book. Uh, is there a sequel, Trex? <laughs> Do we know if there was a second book? Uh, because it feels like there's a lot of story left. Hold on, let me check the Earwig wiki. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah, one of the most visited wikis, uh, Earwig. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, the book was written by the same person who wrote the book for Howl's Moving Castle, so, I mean, that's something. Oh. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's pretty shocking. I would have not have guessed that. Uh, overall, I don't hate it as much as other people do. Maybe I was a little... Whatever my way, maybe I felt that was a little... A, a little too forgiving, maybe, because I'd seen it in theaters. Right. But I also really don't think that... Like, if you go on Letterboxd, you see people, like, just trashing on this film. Like, saying it's, like, one of the worst of all time. And I'm like, it's not good. And you're obviously free to think that it's whatever you want about the film. But I honestly don't think it's that bad, you know? Yeah, this is the lowest rated film on Letterboxd. People think Ocean Waves and Tales from Earthsea is better. And those people are rock. This is way more fun than those two, at least. Have Talking Cats... I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's no dragons in Earwig, but, you know, at least it's got a talking cat, so that kind of makes up for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ocean Waves is a 3.1, and this is a 2.0. Yeah, Earwig, yeah, it's kind of overhated. Um, you know, it's not great. I'm not here to defend it, but it's not terribly boring. Yeah. I hate, like, defending movies that yeah. I don't even like that much. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like we're defending it, but we put it at 21, so clearly we don't love it. But, yeah, a little overhated. It's it's not terrible. Uh, yeah, I, I'd throw this on. Actually, I don't, know, I don't know if I'd throw it on again, but, you know, it, it's good. Maybe it'll get better with age. Maybe it'll age like fine wine. Mm, I do like wines. Yeah, maybe this is, uh, yeah, maybe this is my kind of movie then. All right, so we can go on to number 20 here. And I have it at the same spot here. I have this at 20, and that is from Up on Poppy Hill. So I have it at 20, Trex has it at 17, so we're both fairly low on and I'm a bit lower. Uh, my thing with this movie is it's almost like Ocean Waves, where I just think it's extremely boring, and it's when you said it was from the same director, I did a double take. I went to go back and check, and I was like, oh, that makes sense, because both of these are painfully boring to me, except I really, really like the Poppy Hill flag premise. Uh, it was the first thing in the film, it was the last thing in the film, and I was extremely interested in her raising the flags for her father. Uh, for those that don't know, she had, like has these flags she puts up, uh, so out in the water they can see it uh, to kind of, you know, let her father know she's always, uh, she's there waiting for her, but the father, you know, he's never coming. I thought I thought that was a really fun idea with the use of the flags and the water and her waiting for someone to come to her. I thought that was fun. So I liked that. Uh, the rest of the movie, I thought her and the guy she meets and, oh my gosh, are they related? This oh, Are they in love? Is this incest? Uh, I, I didn't care for any of that. I didn't really care for the boy, uh, but I liked the flags. So I'm, I'm team flag here. Weird is that I'm kind of the opposite. I... Um, I actually really like sort of the them banding together to save this like clubhouse that they love. And I love how the clubhouse is designed and how they enlist the help of the girls to clean it up so that hopefully it won't get torn down. I really like that plot. I think the characters are really charming, but then the incest, it's just like, why would you do this? Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's. I mean, obviously, it's revealed that they're not related. I'm just thinking, like, why not just make it a love story without this one part? Because it kind of makes it a lot more awkward and 
creepy. I don't know. Yeah, I almost did a double take when I thought that they were related. I was like, hold on a second. This movie is like the uh, Cersei and uh, Jamie Lannister of Ghibli. Oh my gosh, I was not ready for that twist. I mean, I've seen like other animes and they kind of you, um, they, let's just say they use, not necessarily in like an accepting way, but they use incest in, um, in more stuff than I've seen in like American movies and TV shows. That's fair. We're more accepting, not even really accepting, but like uh, we we ha- you know we we d- we portray things different in media. Yeah, we don't really have that too much here in America. And if we do, it's normally bad guys, right? Like there's the Lannisters. They're I- they're like the most iconic uh, incestuous relationship uh, with incest. But is there any other like well known duos in film? So development, George Michael and maybe have you seen that show? Yes, I saw I saw it quite a while ago. But yeah, yeah, that could be it. Yeah. I'm also thinking, I think the uh, the the brother sister relationship in Clueless is a uh, you know borderline incest. Uh, and then there and there Paul Rudd was there, so it's okay. What? Paul Rudd was there, so it's yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, it was it was allowed because Paul Rudd is sexy, and you know. Uh, I'm not gonna deny that. Uh, yeah, that I'm okay with it because it's Paul Red. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's not very common this, here. That's this film's biggest problem. They didn't get Paul Red to voice the kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Disney got all the voice work. If they got Paul Red for the boy, I'd be way more into this. I'd be like, all right, it's Paul Red. You know, just uh, going for another sister, I guess. Yeah. So all in all, I I enjoy the movie. It's I, I was kind of hoping to maybe rewatch it before this podcast because I rewatched a bunch of films, uh, but this and some other films I wasn't able to get to. But overall, I think it's all right. Yeah, I do think I might eventually rewatch it just to see. Like now, I know what's going in. Now I know that they're not actually, uh, you know, related. Uh, maybe I won't be as weirded out by it. Uh, yeah, I think this would be one I'd be willing to give a second chance. Uh, but after this, uh, this is my bottom four. The next 19, uh, I would say, are solid Ghibli films. I think we just went past the four boring ones in my mind. The rest of them are great, and that just shows you how good Ghibli is. Absolutely. Yeah, so we can go on to number 19 here, um, which, you know, I, I guess we're, we're going back to one that is kind of boring. But we have Only Yesterday. So I have this at number 17, and Trex has this at number 18. So we don't even have, have it at 19, but it ended up being here. Uh, what was your thoughts on this film? Well, I mean, this was a very like anticipated film because for the longest time, Disney refused to release this film because there's like that one scene in it where the girls talk about like puberty and stuff, and I, Disney was just not okay with that. They were okay oh. with Pompoco, but they weren't okay with that. Yeah, interesting. That would not have been my guess. So then uh, they, when the rights for the Ghibli films transferred over to G-Kids, they, were, they finally released it in America. They gave it a dub, all that. It just, I don't know, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember really liking it. I liked sort of the dichotomy of the, the kid... The her as a kid versus her as an adult, um, 
and you know comparing to i will say that i like the kid scenes a lot more than the adult scenes mm-hmm. but i think it really all does come together in the ending which i really love yeah i really like only yesterday i i have it at 17 so i guess that does kind of show how solid all these movies are at this point uh yeah i think the idea of this adult going back to her hometown is reflecting on all these moments i thought that was really touching and really uh enjoyable to watch i feel like anybody that goes to their hometown can relate to oh yes yes i remember this well i I, you know i I pushed someone down in one day when i was a kid i don't know (laughs) like you know you go back to your hometown you kind of reflect on it Uh, a few weeks ago i went to visit my hometown to see my family for after years of not being there and you know it was just fun to reflect on little things that you did when you're a kid so i think only yesterday touches that really well i I just think like if it gets a little boring it gets a little like too long uh you know uh, some of the stuff in the middle doesn't get super exciting but i thought overall a relatively beautiful movie i really like it and even though this is a 3.9 on letterbox people love this i was shocked that we had it it ended up being at number 19 because it's not a bad movie at all it's very fun yeah it's definitely one of their like that's something that i see a lot with isao takahata films is that they're very slow paced and most of the time, that works in his favor, but I, I do see myself going bored during a lot of them. Only yesterday was one, but I still think it's a overall great film with a lot to say, and I think it does it well. And it's a shame it wasn't released here for the longest time. It wasn't released until like 2016, I think, here. That's crazy. That is yeah. crazy. I, I had no idea it took that long for us to finally get it. Yeah, better late than never, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm, I just them all this year i have no idea the uh, release order for uh, for us to get in in america uh, i was fortunate enough that they were just sitting on my lap on netflix ready to go nice yeah. uh so we can move on to number 18 here and this one we're finally a bit divided here uh, we have palm poco uh so i have this at number 12 and trex has this at number 20 so this is uh his fourth least favorite do I have it at 20? I remember this is one of the ones I rewatched. Oh shoot, I do have it at 20. Just saying, I I watched it originally. I did not like it very much at all. Like I thought it was boring. I didn't like the characters. I thought it was really like unsubtle. But then I rewatched it and I realized, man, I was really cynical towards it. This is actually like a really good movie. It's just you know, other Ghibli films are better, but I still really like Pompoco. Yeah, I really like it. I think it's super fun. I don't know what it is, but what I realized about 10 to 20 minutes in, that it's just a movie about raccoons who can transform into random stuff. I was totally on board. I was like, man, this is awesome. I was super high on it. Uh, and then as the movie went, continued going on, I started getting a little less high on it. Like I was loving the first 30, 45 minutes, uh, but it does get a little too long and it's not even actually that long i believe uh looking at it here the movie's just under two hours like it's like it feels like it's almost two and a half hours like it feels like it kind of drags for a bit but i just love the idea of them transforming and then they have that huge festival with all the humans and they do this giant parade of just this visual spectacle that really works well in animation i thought it looked really cool I had a lot of fun with it. Um, yeah, I was shocked to see that this is one of the lower-ranked films on Letterboxd. I think you're right. I think first viewing, people kind of get thrown off by it. But I, th- I thought it was wild. I thought it was fun. 
No, I, um, it's definitely you're like, there are depressing elements to it, you know, with their landing takeover, but it's, it's, it's first and foremost a comedy, and I really love it. I had uh, something that I don't think is appreciated enough is like the narrator kind of turns it into like a weird, hilarious nature documentary almost. Right. I really like what they did there. Yeah, no, I thought, yeah, I, I, I chuckled a few times. I definitely think it's just, it's just a fun vibe. You want to just throw on, just have a relaxing time. It's nothing complex. A Ghibli time, like normally has layers with their film where they kind of analyze, like you know, you know, like neat, like you know, uh, environmentalism or you know, war or whatever they're going on. But you know, this one, you just throw it on. It's just raccoon balls in your face transform into goofy things <laughs> you don't need to think about it for a second don't even think about the story it's just raccoons doing raccoon things uh, the, the balls oh, that, that was just i get it you know like cultural differences but man like there are some scenes where just it's really gross yeah, it's funny. Uh, about halfway through, I didn't even notice the balls. Uh, about like a good hour and something in, and then one scene, I randomly noticed it, and then afterwards, like, oh my gosh, now there's balls everywhere. And I was like, wait a second, were they here this whole time? I just did not know. Like once you notice it, you notice it for the rest of the movie. Like it's in your face. Um, but it took me a little while to realize all these balls. Well, that's because on the English dub, they they were smart and they said, oh, it's just their pouches, guys. The raccoons have pouches. And then, but even if I didn't know that context, I'd be like, I'd look at like the design. I'm like, um, you sure about that, Disney? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Disney, you know, they took a while to release only yesterday, but they had no issue with the the raccoon balls everywhere. You know, as long as they're not talking about girls' puberty, uh, they're good to go. Overall, I I think it's a great. It I don't know if I'd say great. It's really good. Uh, I I do like a lot about it it's just i find other films better no yeah that's totally fair it's nothing exceptional or to write home about it's just a fun time if you're gonna throw on a fun movie why not throw on palm poco but yeah it's nothing extraordinary i agree with that so we have at number 17 here and a very similar name to palm poco it is porco rosso we have a back-to-back hero. It's actually tied with Pompoko, but uh, Trex is obviously higher on it. I put it at 19, and Trex put it at 13. I mean, um, it's weird. I don't have... It's not one of the more analytical Ghibli films, but I think it's, like, one of the mo- most fun. It's, like... It's just this really fun story about a guy who's just a pig for no reason, and he just flies around, like, shooting bandits and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I know the, the the pig for Hiroso. He's cool. Like he is like the epitome of cool. I know Austin always says that the guy from Lee Samurai. He's like real cool. I don't know. Porco Rosso might have like a running for his money. He's just like got the swagger to him. He's just like does not give a crap. He's just badass. Uh, I do like him. Yeah, uh, I think it's definitely one of Miyazaki's funniest movies because uh, there's a lot of humor. Uh, you know, with him being a pig, and uh, I man, I love the villain of this movie, like Curtis. Uh, he's just a blast. Yeah, 
One of the things I didn't love about the film is the little girl being really into the pig. I, I didn't think that was very funny. I liked how the pig was also like, uh, can you like not fucking kiss me on the cheek? Like, can you not like follow me around? Like he's kind of trying to brush her off, but yeah, she just seemed way too into him. It was a little, little weird, a, you know, a little on the edge there. I didn't really like that storyline or really that relationship, but I liked Puerto Rico or, or uh, yeah, uh, Porco Russo. Uh, yeah, I thought he was cool. I thought the bad guy, yeah, I thought the... The final 30 minutes was pretty fun. I thought their showdown was good. Uh, it was just, yeah, the middle part with the girl going on the adventure with the pig. Uh, I didn't love it. Yeah, I, def- I was definitely a little weirded out by like how there's like this love triangle between him, the, the pilot girl, and the girl who owns the restaurant. I thought that was a little weird, but it's not really given as much focus in the grand scheme of things, so it didn't really bother me. One thing that kind of did, though was the final few moments, like where they're talking about where all the characters ended up. They leave it a little too vague, in my opinion, especially for the main character. I kind of forget, how did, how did he end up? I uh, must have, <laughs> must, maybe I closed up before then. How did, how did his storyline end? You didn't forget. He, they just kind of leave it, they're like, and as for Parco, well, screw you, we're not going to tell you. <laughs> Okay, maybe that's why I don't remember because they don't do anything. All right, yeah, maybe that make maybe that's why I forgot. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, probably better. Uh, you know, they could have had a better ending. Maybe him and Earwig are gonna like go on an adventure together, and we'll finally get their stories wrapped up. Apparently, there was a planned uh, Porco Rosso sequel that never materialized, but I'd love to see it one day. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, this would probably be one of the ones, even though I have it at nineteen. One of the ones to be more down for a sequel. Yeah, I feel like just going on an adventure with this pig. Once again, he was my favorite part. I thought he was cool. Uh, yeah, that'd be pretty That'd be pretty sweet. It definitely feels like, yeah, they didn't really wrap anything up. It was just another classic adventure for Porco. Uh, yeah, they definitely could do a sequel. And it wouldn't feel weird, unlike most of these other ones. Yeah. I mean, you probably don't really do sequels, unless you count... The Cat Returns, or that one Totoro short they made, but I don't think they really don't do sequels. Yeah. Yeah, The Cat Returns, I guess, with the cat figure uh, would be the closest to a sequel, just because it has a returning character. But, yeah, I wouldn't count it as a sequel, per se, but I, I guess it does say return, so I guess maybe you could go for that. But uh, we have at number 16 here, uh, we're both back on the same page. It is The Tale of Princess Kaguya. I have it at 16, so right on the money here. And Trex has it at 15, so we're pretty close here. Yeah, I'd say I do not love this movie as much as other people. Um, It's kind of one of those movies that I more so appreciate and respect rather than actually enjoy watching it. Because I love what it, I love the character ups. I love the animation. The animation's beautiful. The music is amazing. But that middle part can really drag, man. Yeah, the middle part really drags. I agree with that. And I, I think I'm on the same page as you, where I appreciate it more than I love it. Like I appreciate the story and more of like the the moral here about you know, kind of having your life already routed out for you. Like this is your destination we already pre-planned everything for you and kaguya really has no say in her own childhood or what she wants to do and 
I appreciate that story, and I think Huey as a character is pretty interesting. But I don't love her. I don't, like, get super invested in her story arc. I kind of sit there and go, okay, I see how they map this out. That's really cool. Uh, and on paper, everything about this is great. I think her as a kid, that scene where all the kids are shouting, oh, bamboo, bamboo, and he's shouting princess, princess, and she's literally torn on which way to run to. That literally is the whole film. And they do little like scenes like that that represent the whole storyline uh, throughout. It's a well-thought-out, well-written, well-animated movie. There were some scenes I actually thought didn't look that great animated, but for the most part, especially the last half, I thought the animation looked astounding. Uh, yeah, so on paper, I just appreciate everything. I just don't personally love anything about it. I, uh, I like, looking, like, I'm kind of, well, I'm not glad that this was his last film, but I think it was really neat how the last film of Isao Takahata almost feels like this action project for him. Because, you know, it's clear that he really likes the tale. Because I remember in one of his previous films, My Neighbors the Yamadas, you can literally see this one scene of that's basically this movie, even though this, that was made way before this. So you can tell the story's always been on his mind. And to see his final film be this story that he clearly admires, I really, I think that's quite touching. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think the story is extremely well made. I think. I didn't personally love it, but he went out on a high note in my mind. This is a solid film to end on. Absolutely. I probably wouldn't watch it again, but you have my respects, Kaguya. Yeah, it is a long one, and that might be it, too. Uh, it, it's an hour, Sorry, it's two, two hours and 27 minutes, or... Sorry, I can't count. It's two hours and 17 minutes, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a long one. It is good. I think it's good for a one-time watch. I don't know how much I'll rewatch it. All right, well, we can go into the number 15 here, and that is going to be The Cat Returns. So I have it at 18, and Trex has it at 12. And uh, yeah, I, I yeah. like The Cat Returns. I think, uh, I think it's pretty fun. Uh, I just have it at 18 because it's just nothing special. I don't know if I would ever want to go back to this one but it's just a really interesting world that they create with all these cats i like the lead character i think uh, there's I, I like everything about this movie i just didn't you know it's, it's like probably the least special film it just feels like uh it's an easy movie they churned out about a girl that hangs out with a bunch of cats i freaking love this film it's it's a bit simplistic i'll admit and I, I can kind of see why everyone isn't the biggest fan of it. But at the same time, I just think it's a ton of fun. Like, yeah, like before this was Spirited Away, and it, this film is very similar to that, but it's much more easygoing. And honestly, I just had a blast with it. I love the characters. Uh, I love the English voice cast. Uh, I love the Baron. I love the girl. I love the... The Cat King, I thought he was great. It's definitely one of the funnier movies. and It's got a really nice animation style where it's sort of different than the, the normal style, but it still kind of has that Ghibli flair. Yeah, I, I like all the characters, actually. There's no one I actively dislike, and I feel like 
there's normally every movie I tend to not like someone, but everyone here is just so fun and enjoyable for the most part. I love the Baron. We'll get into it in the other film that he's in. But I think the Baron's so cool. I really like him. And so seeing him in this movie, I got all excited again. Uh, my fiance really liked this movie. Uh, she she's, she really liked all the cats and the animation. I think similar to you, just the fun nature of it. Like it's just, uh, you throw it on and it's just a pure happy movie. It's like Paddington in that way where, you know, there's just nothing to dislike. It's just a very chill movie that you can throw on whenever. Yeah, there's really nothing to hate. I just, there's nothing, I guess it's similar to Kaguya for me where like, uh, it's very fun, but in a completely different way. Kaguya is very serious and this one's just very chill and enjoyable, but for both of them, I don't love it. I think this used to be in my top 10, but after doing some rewatches, it unfortunately got bumped out. But I still really enjoy the film. I think it gets maybe a little too much hate, but it's not like relentless speed. Everyone thinks it's, it's just pretty good. Then I'd have to agree with that assessment. Yeah, it's at 18, but it's just a fun film. And it's a nice, easy 70-something minute, so it is not long at all so you can really just throw it on whenever uh, yeah it's definitely not a bad movie at all we have at number 14 here uh, i feel like i'm gonna butcher this first word you might have to help me here tracks uh nasika of the valley of the wind nasika nasika there you go <laughs> uh the very first ghibli film i have it at 15 and trex has it at 11 here so we're kind of in between the 14 I remember this was like for the longest time. This was my least favorite Hayao Miyazaki film. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I, like it was still like a seven out of ten in my book. I just, um, I don't remember what it was exactly. I just thought the pacing was a bit off, and um, some of the dialogue was weird in my opinion. But now after rewatching it, I was just like amazed by the world building and the the way it handles its themes, where it's like. There's so much wrong with the environment. So much is happening. There's this, the toxic jungle spreading. There are these ginormous bugs that are going to kill you. But instead of fixing these problems, all the leaders are like, let's just fight amongst ourselves. And I thought that was really well done in the film. But it was also just a really awesome sci-fi film. Yeah, I agree with you with the world building. I think this is one of the coolest worlds uh, in Ghibli. I, I only have it at 15, but the uh, like, I didn't love the story. I'm not a big sci-fi guy, but the, the, the environment and just the way it looks is totally different. It's much darker. Uh, it's much more like creepy and very like nasty and gross. Uh, it was very, very cool looking. And it was the very first Ghibli film made, so it is strange that they had such a, odd first film and then the rest of the films feel you know like more lighthearted, more vibrant uh this one feels very like brown and dark and gross uh yeah very different ghibli film one of the more unique films uh and, and I, I like it i have it at 15 here but i, I think it's uh it's very unique very fun i've it was the first one that i fully watched ever because i watched them in order and I instantly was, like, excited to do this. I was like, man, uh, if this is their first one, uh, and I never heard anything about this movie, and I really liked it, so I showed the movies to come, really. I thought the lead character was really fun. 
I think that she was like really badass and awesome. So I thought, yeah, I thought the film was just a really fun, interesting story that really is about this world that you wouldn't really think of. Yeah, I will say that I do think that they tr- they maybe like work a little too much into this movie because it's based off of an old manga series that Hayao Miyazaki wrote, and he actually continued the series after this movie came out. But I think that it kind of, there's like so many different factions and uh, characters and plot elements and creatures and countries that I feel like. Maybe they should have trimmed the fat a little, or at least I would have loved to see like a sequel to this, or maybe even like a show or a series based off of this. I would love that. I should definitely like read the original books. Yeah, yeah, series would have been cool. Yeah, they could have really built more into the world they already had. But uh, yeah, it definitely was not a slow, boring movie. It just kept going. So that is a good point. I didn't realize it was based off of a manga or anything. But, like, the glow of the eyes and the dark, like, it was a cool movie. I had way more fun with it this time around, as opposed to when I first saw it. Yeah, this is the one I saw first, and I never ended up going back to rewatch it. So I haven't seen this since January, so it's the one that's, like, the least fresh on my mind. But it just goes to show that I still have way more to say about this than, you know, Earth, Sea, and Ocean Waves. I feel like there's just a lot that happened in this. So we can go on to number 13 here, and we have a first movie in someone's top 10, which is mine, unfortunately, and that is going to be The Secret World of Aridi, which I have at 8, and Trix has at 16. Yeah, I'd say, like, this is a good movie. It's just, I don't remember a lot from it. and Part of that's because I haven't seen it in a while, but I just, to me, it's the least memorable and that's not i'm not trying to say it's a bad movie again but it's just like it's just a it's it's one that i don't have very strong feelings towards but i still think it's a good movie i like the characters i like how they interact with the world around them like it's like a toy story film where they build all these contraptions to get around places uh i really love the setting and the atmosphere it's just um you know, it's just, it didn't emotionally hit me like some of the other films do. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point. I think the biggest draw for me for this film is it's based off of a book that I read quite a few times when I was a child. And so I was watching this movie and about 20 or something minutes in, I was like, man, this, did I see this movie before? Like, I know this movie. Like, have I seen this when I was a kid? And then they use the word that they are borrowing something. And I instantly went, oh my gosh, it's the borrowers. It's the book I read so many times when I was a child. And I loved this book. And I always, as a child, imagined little people that would like hide in these crevices in the house. And what, how cool would it be if I saw one? And I like, Every time I finished reading the book, I'd look around in my bedroom trying to see if maybe there's a little person somewhere. Like, I thought the the idea of these little people just hiding in the walls was really cool. And this film really brought out that childlike wonder I had where the little boy saw the girl trying to pull off that napkin or handkerchief and was, like, amazed by her. He wasn't, like, creeped out. He was just like, wow, this is so wonderful and exciting. And this entire adventure takes place in one house like it's this adventure film with like all these crazy contraptions they have to do to get it like a sugar cube and it's just some person's kitchen like it's just so cool how 
exciting and like wild this world seems than it's just your everyday house. So uh, yeah, I thought the movie was great. Uh, probably biased because as soon as I realized it was based off the borrowers, I was sold. I was so excited to watch this movie. I thought the the world looked gorgeous. It was an, exactly what I imagined in my mind when I read the book. So I really liked it. Uh, it's still only an eight for me because yeah, you know, it's nothing emotionally groundbreaking or something, but uh, what a fun movie. I had a good time. Yeah, no, you bring up a lot of good points. Uh, that That is now I'm realizing after you saw it, so I'm like, man, I need to rewatch this movie. Uh, how how accurate would you say the book is to this? Because I know Ghibli sometimes likes to take a lot of creative liberties when it comes to their book adaptations. So that is a good question. I haven't read this book since I was like nine, so it's been quite a while for me. But uh, I don't remember much from the book, but I don't remember the humans being as friendly. It was very much more so like the old granny that's like after the borrowers. That's pretty much all the humans except for the kid in the movie, uh, in the book. Uh, like all the other adults in this movie, except for the granny, seem to like them. Uh, that doesn't seem to really be the case. I remember the grandmother or, uh, or one of the characters, they had that house for the borrowers. Uh, and then it was the kid that wanted to save them. And then I remember the adults being more, ah, they're stealing our stuff in the book. Uh, and then this one, it, just, it seems like there's only one bad guy, and it's really not even a focus for the movie, which is ne- it was never a super... Actually, it was more of a focus in the book, more so the bad people. So this one seemed more lighthearted, but both I walked away thinking how amazing it would be if the Boros were here. So I think I still walked away with like the same idea. I love like it kind of even in adults the, these movies inspire like these childlike thoughts of what if like the borrowers were real what if Totoro was real you know yeah yeah no it is really cool I, I liked it yeah this is definitely one that feels so ghibli like yeah it's just like you know like how cool like you know the childlike wonder of what if that was real it is fun so we have that number 12 here uh, this is, I think, the biggest division of all the movies we're going to have on the list is going to be My Neighbors the Yamadas, which uh, Trex has at 19 and I have at 4. So this is in my top 5, baby. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, everyone seems to hate this movie. This movie was awesome. I love the Yamadas. It's like some quirky family doing a bunch of little adventures. It's not really a stretched out plot it's just a bunch of little mini things the animation is gorgeous i think it's one of my favorite animated films uh from ghibli i just thought it was fun i i really liked it it was like a kind of like a sitcom with a bunch of little mini episodes but i didn't care because the yamada's family is hilarious i love them i mean i can't deny what you're saying this is a great <laughs> film it's just you know it it been um I would not put it in my top five, but it's definitely a very enjoyable movie. I remember I rewatched it when I was like really sick one time, and I was just like, "Man, this is just so good." Because like, it's just it because this was based off of like a newspaper comic, and I think it really captures that well, with like the little vignettes of all the characters, and it's just it's so refreshing because nothing that's going on is necessarily that interesting. But it's weird. That's kind of what makes it so interesting. Yeah, exactly. I didn't realize it was based off of little comic strips in the newspaper, but if I was to guess, I'd assume it'd be something like that because it really does just feel like little jokes, little bits, and that's it. It's just this family doing weird things, 
I don't know why, but the Yamadas kind of just reminds me, not even of my family, but just what I imagine every family is like, just a bunch of bickering and nonsense and a bunch of annoying people having to live together. Uh, it, it's great. I think it's really fun. And maybe that's why it's called My Neighbors the Yamadas, because it's like, just every family that could be in your neighborhood, like just a bunch of random people uh, that, you know, are related. Uh, it's just fun. I think the grandmother's hilarious. Uh, she might be like the funniest character in all of Ghibli. Uh, this might, I, I think this is the funniest film Ghibli has. I, I laughed by far the most. It's just really fun. But yeah, I have it a four because I think it's hilarious and I like the animation and I like the characters. But, you know, there's no story. There's no emotional, oh my gosh, I'm moved by this movie. No overarching message. Yeah, you know, it's just people being annoying, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was funny. It's nothing special. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I liked how they all, they are very portrayed very realistically, where it's like they bicker a lot, they fight a lot. But I do love, at the end of the day, they still love each other, you know? And that's, that's just like any other family, where they do at the end of the day, through their bickering, they get along and they do care for one. Oh yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, I love how it really just feels like a nuclear family. This is a family that could be your neighbors. The This is just any day family. I, I related to it. I thought, yeah, this is my family. We bicker all the time and we all love each other. Like that's just a family. And I thought, uh, I feel like movies can't do it that well. I feel like uh, there's very few movies. Well, there's, you know, there's a handful, but uh, this is one of the few where I really felt like, yeah, th this could be any family. Like, anyone can relate to this. So these guys are wacky and fun. Uh, I, yeah, I thought it worked really well. And, uh, and maybe that's where the lack of a story helps. Uh, they didn't have a storyline to tackle and beats they had to pass to make this movie. It's literally just a family being a family. There's no crazy jewel they have to conquer or path they have to take no villain they have to conquer it's just uh it's just it's just a family oh they left their kid at the mall oh they uh they they have a you know this girl is going on a date like, you know just wacky dumb things uh it's fun yeah this movie seems like almost perfect to make like a series where it's just like short films of like just these characters going through these days where you know they just make a a couple more of like these vignettes of the characters just going about their day. I'd love that. Yeah, I would definitely uh, throw those. I'd definitely throw some episodes on, or even if they made a sequel of just them doing more random stuff. Like they should do every every ten years, they should just release a new Yamada's movie. There you go. Adds absolutely I mean, nothing to the plot, but you know, uh, just just more more jokes. All right, so we can go on to number 11 here, and I have it right on the money. I got this at 11, and that is going to be Ponyo, which Trex has at 8, and I obviously have at 11. This, this movie, I think, I, I know it's at 8 for me. It's not the number one, but I think it's my favorite Ghibli, honestly. Like, take actual quality out of it. I still think Ponyo's like a 9 out of 10, but it's not like the absolute best, but I just... It's so fun and refreshing, and I love the characters and the childlike innocence of it all. How they go through life, even though the world has been flooded or all this bad stuff's happening. They're just they're just wanting to have this big grand adventure where they find like sea creatures and ham, and it's just 
I just have a ton of fun with it. It's like the only film on Letterboxd that I've seen more than twice. Oh, wow. That's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, I like this movie a lot. I think it's just a super sweet film. Uh, very innocent and just enjoyable. You can relax. The animation is vibrant and gorgeous. Uh, pretty, this is pretty much the exact opposite of Valley of the Wind. It's like beautiful and relaxing and just calm. No, I really like it. I thought uh, I thought the two characters and their friendship together felt like it progressed really genuinely. It didn't feel like they just forced these two together to have a storyline. It really felt natural. Ponyo's adorable. Uh, yeah, everything about this is just really sweet. I can see this being very rewatchable. Uh, it makes sense that you watch this a lot. It just seems like one you can throw on just whenever you're in a bad mood or even just in a mood to just watch something. Uh, this one's not bad. Yeah, I would definitely call this my my comfort movie, you know. Uh just watch it whenever I uh you know, whenever I'm down. But yeah, the, I just also love animated ocean movies. You know, just the water and the underwater world, all that. I love it. So this film on really hit home for me there. Animated Waters looks great. Um no, I, I get that atmosphere. It was it was a really fun film. I have it eleven. I thought it was really fun. I had it right at the same rank we have it here. I think eleven seems right. Maybe if it was at like ten, that'd be pretty sweet if we cracked the top ten. But I like it. It was a good movie. So we can go on to number ten here, uh, and this one very similar to Ponyo, where I just feel like it's a very relaxing movie. You kind of just vibe with it. Uh, very much a comfort film, and that's going to be Kiki's Delivery Service. Uh, this is the first film in Trex's top five. He has this right at number five, and I have it at 13. Um, I still really like it. I thought the character's great. I think the whole film is just very chill and fun. Uh, it's very similar to Ponyo for me. 11 and 13, I have it close by. Uh, I just feel like it's... Uh, I don't know. I, I, like, I, I have it 13. I really like it. It's just nothing special for me if i'm ever going to throw on just a nice vibe chill movie i would be more lenient towards ponyo but kiki's is just a super fun movie yeah i think that it's the per it's the perfect evolution of the the film that julie did previously my neighbor totoro where it's again it's a slice of life sort of experience where it's there's not some big plot he's sort of antagonist it's just these characters living their life, you know? They are, you know, uh, Totoro is all about, I mean, like, growing up, you know, just being a child, being a child and enjoying what's around you. Kiki's Delivery Service is about leaving your comfort zone and going out on your own. And I think it does it really well with, you know, Kiki being so relatable, but there's still this really fun twist with her being a witch, being able to fly around and you just find all of these like parts of her life where she's delivering packages or hanging out with boys or just doing whatever you I don't know I just I felt that you know yeah I thought Kiki is a fantastic character might be one of the most fun leads Ghibli has she's really adorable really fun uh so you definitely root for her the whole time I do like her yeah I just I also love all the other kids like I love the Bombo, the boy she hangs out with. Uh, I like the people who took her home. Because everyone in this film, for the most part, is just really nice and wholesome. 
and you know just seeing her brighten everyone's day is really nice i like the paint the painter lady the only character i'm kind of iffy on is the cat like in the english dub they got phil hartman he does a good job but he he sounds really like he kind of rides the line of whether you can tell he actually cares about the role or he's just kind of playing it off like i couldn't tell i do like the character i just thought his voice was a little weird yeah i i didn't love him I thought it was a great movie. Uh, I'm probably going to rewatch it again after this so that I can, um, uh, just because, you know, going off to a new place, going to college, that might be a very good film to watch as I'm doing so, Kiki's Delivery Service. That's true. Yeah, yeah. this, this would be kind of similar in tone, yeah, to, uh, you know, going to a new place, having a new adventure. Yeah, no, Kiki's is very fun. I like it. Um, I'm glad it made the top 10. It is a fun film. I, I have it at 13, but uh, th- this is very well beloved. I, I was shocked. I saw it and I went, oh yeah, this is a really fun time. And then I looked at Letterboxd. I was like, oh wait, <laughs> it's more than a fun time. People love this movie. It's really beloved, apparently. Yeah, yeah, people really like it, yeah. Um, I'm sure they'll kill me for me putting Pompoka one spot above it. But Lighting the the porches and pitchforks right now so (laughs) be ready yeah yeah they're there how dare you like raccoon ball sacks over witches you witch yeah you know uh, hopefully make it through (laughs) by the end of this all right uh, we have another film here at number nine Uh, this might be my last controversial take so if i survive this then we're good to go but that's going to be castle in the sky so uh you have this at number four this is another film in your top five i have it at 14 I do like it. Uh, in fact, I would say I love the final 35 minutes. Um, I just think the the middle part is really slow for me. I don't get super... I wasn't super into, uh, you know, like, oh, the girl gets kidnapped and the boy has to go back and get her. And like, it's like a big goose chase uh, in the middle portion. But once they finally get to the title, the, once they finally get to the castle in the sky... It was awesome. Like the last thirty something minutes is so fun and beautiful, and the 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 look of the castle and all the rooms look beautiful and insane. And I love the last thirty five minutes. It would probably be like in my top eight based on the last thirty five minutes. I I just find the uh the stuff before that not super interesting. The first twenty is great, where the two leads meet, and then the ending is great. Uh, I, I, I don't love the middle. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Like, I'll admit the the um, the first part. I mean, not the first. The middle part is not as engaging as the first part or the last part. That being said, I adore this movie. I think, in my opinion, it is like to me at least, is the perfect family friendly adventure film. You know, it's kind of like it almost feels like Goonies or something in that sense, where it's just these really likable kids going on this grand adventure through the sky. They come across like mine parts and pirates and giant robots and a big castle in the sky and an awesome Mark Hamill villain. And it's just, it's all there. I really love it. I love the characters. I love um, just the animation and the, the set design, especially with, the castle in the sky is just amazing. I love the climax. I just think it's a really enjoyable film. 
Yeah, I, I, I do mostly agree with everything you're saying. I think the two leads are awesome. I think uh, they're really fun together. Uh, Andrew is convinced that the uh, that the boy is like a witch or like got, like he's like a god or something because she's like he's like surviving all of these crazy things. Like he's hanging from vines off the floating castle and he's like getting like hit with bullets that like graze his cheek and like he's climbing up vents that are like going straight at a 90 degree angle like how is this guy doing all this this guy must be a god i was like yeah maybe yeah he does survive a lot yeah she was convinced he had some kind of superpower um but he was great and i love the lead too i low-key kind of agree with um i was thinking like why does everyone in this film have such great grip strength i would not be able to hold on to like these vines and all that for that long I would not be able to climb that big tube that goes straight up. What is with the, why is everyone in this movie Spider-Man? Yeah. 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 The boy's grip strength is crazy where he jumps on that platform. It collapses under him and he quickly grabs onto part of the, the column. And then that collapses. He quickly grabs onto the top section, keeps collapsing until he climbs his way up as it's collapsing. Like, man, yeah, I would not have been able to do that. That guy, he, he definitely goes to the gym. You can tell. Total badass. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. The one complaint I have about this film is that in English dub, his voice is sounds way too old. Like he's a voice for like James Vanderbeek, and you listen to like how he is in the original version compared to now, and I'm just like, why did you get this guy? I mean, he does a good job, but like he's still he sounds so much older than this kid. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good point. I didn't really think of it, but now that you say it, I just watched it, and yeah, his voice is definitely uh you know pretty old. Uh, this is the second movie uh, that they released, so I watched it all the way in January, and I actually had it lower on my list, but I knew going in that the uh, that the movie was pretty well-loved, just based off of Letterboxd, and I was like, man, maybe I should give it a second shot, because I don't necessarily remember much, I just remember the middle part being kind of boring, and I remember the castle being cool, but I figured, alright, I'll rewatch it, so we just watched it uh, this morning when Andrew was getting ready for work, we got up a bit early and watched it and uh so it's fresh on my mind and it is really fun uh, the ending is so so exciting it's a good movie i agree with you that this is a perfect family adventure film i do think this would definitely be one you know if i ever had a kid or if i was with my little siblings uh, i would definitely be down to recommend and throw this on i feel like it's just a fun family film so we can move on to number eight here uh, we just discussed one of the films in your top five that I dragged down, so it's time to return the favor and talk about one that's in my top five that you dragged down, and that's going to be Whisper of the Heart. Classic. Yeah, yeah, classic. I have this at number three, and Trex has it at number 14. I love this movie. I think this movie is, uh, I hinted at it earlier, everything that only yesterday wished it could be. Uh, I think uh, just this is the movie that I watch and I instantly like reflect on me as a child and like things that I did and just the the two kids and their like childhood romance. It's a it's a lot about like child love and lost love and the old guy reflecting on the Baron statue and the Baroness and how they never met. I thought that was really great. And really, uh, probably one of the more emotional films for me. I didn't tear up or anything, but I definitely connected with the Baron and Baroness statues and the just the kids 
uh, you can see how they just have, it's just a childhood love. Like they just like, they, you know, the little cute childhood crushes. Uh, and you know, you can kind of tell it's probably not going to work out. There's, you know, they're probably going to both live their actual lives and actually find someone that they are compatible with and they love, but they'll always have that moment where they were kids and they thought this was the only moment that mattered. And you guys see the old guy who kind of looks at the kids and reflects on his own childhood past. I thought it was great. I really liked it. Yeah, you, you really summed it up well, I think. It's, again, I, I know I sound like a broken record, but I wish I rewatched this for the podcast. Not only because, you know, we're doing the podcast, but also it's just a really enjoyable film. It's, again, it's this really fun slice of life narrative where this girl is trying to figure out her place in the world and what she wants to do um, and how it parallels the boy's journey. And it's just really enjoyable. I love the. I love the story she writes with the Baron. I love Country Roads in this. Like it feels like it should so well. Like that one, I love that one scene where him, her, and the boy are singing it, and then the old people come home and they start playing along with them. I thought that was wholesome as heck. Yeah, and I like how the boy kept teasing her. I thought that was so much fun because that's just a total kid thing to do. Like I would always tease these girls and like. You know, you don't really think, you don't even see them as your crushes. You're just like, oh, yeah, like, you know, you just like to pick on other people because uh, that's just how kids are. They're, they're kind of jerks. Uh, and then you kind of realize that he has feelings for her. It's just innocent and adorable uh, and feels so, like, they just act like kids. Like, they're just so, you know, like, whiny and picky, uh, but they're very, like, wondrous and you know they're down to do anything do these crazy adventures uh it's just sweet uh nothing crazy it's just a very fun vibe the entire time i liked both the characters i loved her writing as the baron uh really fun yeah a really fun movie i like it let's say kind of a weird flirting strategy to like just check out all the same books that your crush does so they don't need to see her. Like, I feel like there's a better way to go about it, but it worked out for him, so yeah. I gotta start going to the library more. Yeah, exactly. I've never done that strategy because uh, the only book I read was The Borrowers when I was a kid. But, you know, um, yeah, maybe I should have done that strategy because uh, it worked out pretty well. Yeah. I feel like I would appreciate this movie a lot more rewatching it now that I'm actually out of high school and I can reminisce about it. Yeah, yeah, I feel like this one, we say that there's a lot about, you know, childhood wonder and, like, they're all made for kids. Uh, this one feels like it's more for the adults to then have that childlike wonder. Like, I feel like this is one for the adults to feel like a kid again. I feel like, uh, yeah, I don't know if the, you know, if my little siblings or, you know, a 10-year-old would love this. They're like, okay, this is what I do in real life. I don't really care. So it might not seem like that exciting, I think. It's a good one to reflect. But uh, we have at number seven here, that is going to be The Wind Rises, where I have it at the exact spot here at number seven, and you have it at 10. So we actually had this tied with Whisper of the Heart, but since you had this one higher, it got to go up to number seven here. Uh, I think it's a pretty fun film. I have it at seven. It's just really cool looking. I love the animation. It just looks and feels gorgeous. Uh, and it's about airplanes. I don't even care about airplanes, but I thought this was a pretty fun movie. Yeah, I... It's weird because on paper it seems like, oh, it's just a boring biopic, and I'm not the biggest biopic fan, but, like, it's Miyazaki, so of course he makes it work. Um, 
where it's just super interesting because even if you don't necessarily care about planes, he gets you to care about planes through the way he works and his thought process. And I love how I love seeing his journey to find love, and I love seeing uh, him deal with the ramifications of what he's created. And it's done really well, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, similar to Valley of the Wind, I guess, just like the world that we're living in right now, it just really feels like a well-knit story uh, and just something that you would just love to visit. Like, man, I, I don't know. I'd love to be on this field or even in one of those planes, just fly around. It just looks so cool and fun. Uh, which I don't know why I compared it to the Valley of the Wind because that does not look cool and fun. But it's just uh, it's just a cool world that they designed that feels real. Like you're watching this and you're like, man, huh? Maybe being a pilot wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> like may- maybe you know, it seems fun. It seems gorgeous. Um, yeah, I really like the story. I think uh, the main character is really rootable. I like him a lot. And yeah, I just think for the most part, it's just a good time. The world's most wholesome World War II movie. Yeah, might be. Might be the most wholesome World War II movie. I think I can agree with you on that. Um, the first, like, 20 or something minutes, there was, like, when he was on the ground and you kind of see, like, the wreckage at points. For a second, I was like, oh, my gosh. Is this, like, Grave of the Fireflies again? Like, it started getting a little bit of a flashback. Um, but no, they quickly went to more of, like, the wholesome side of, you know, war. Uh, yeah, it... I mean, it feels weird to say that, but this is still, like, to say that this is, like, a wholesome war movie, but war almost feels like a backdrop, but at the same time, it takes center stage, because it's present in everything he does, because that's literally his job, but again, it's so much more focused on his personal life, and just seeing his thought process, um, him falling in love with his wife, but it turns out she's dying, and I, I just, I love the dream sequences where he's visited by that other airplane engineer i just think those scenes are like the best in the film yeah i think a lot of the animation is great uh and some of the ways of him imagining this plane he's making uh it just looks fantastic with the animation style they're doing uh it works really well for animation i feel like most war movies actually uh maybe i like war movies in animation better right because maybe it looks a you know looks a little more fantastical a little less horrifying but yeah, this one, it does just look fantastic. Like just, not the war, but you know the, the airplanes, the designs, uh, it does look great. It's such a colorful film. And I also really like how they do, again, it's a tragic event, the earthquake scene, but it's done so visually well with like the ground, like actually like waving and just everything going in disarray. It's so visually, I don't want to say appealing, but it's like, so visually interesting and well done. It really captures the emotion of the scene. So we can go on to number six here, which is going to be My Neighbor Totoro. I have it at number 10, and Trex was right on the money this time with number six here. And yeah, this is one of the first films that I was going into because I saw, what, The Valley of the Wind and... A castle in the sky this is the first one i was going into knowing okay this is this is a big one this is a big boy people love this fucking movie uh and i liked it a lot i thought it was a really fun whimsical you know childhood film similar to like ponyo and kiki's delivery service just childlike wonder at the backyard and just these totoro is such a fun character uh really really fun movie i like it 
Yeah, like uh, I, I alluded to this one when we were talking about uh, Kiki's Delivery Service, but it's just like this really fun childhood movie where these kids are they're, they're not doing the greatest because, you know, their mom's in the hospital, but they just find so much joy in the things around them. Um, and Totoro is just there to help them out. And I do like how he's sort of, he's one of those characters that sort of borders on the line where is he real? Is he in their imaginations? But it doesn't actually really matter at the end of the day because a childhood imagination is just, it's what's helping these kids get through this tough time in their lives. And I just, I really love that. Yeah, I agree. I have no idea if Totoro is real or not, and I don't care. I think just the fact that he's there for this little kid, uh, it's adorable. I think Totoro is so much fun. I, I think he's really fun. Um, yeah, I just think, yeah, it doesn't matter if he's real or not. It's just a really cute relationship with him and the child. I, I, I like to think he's real. I'm pretty sure he is, but there's really no telling. But uh, the adults don't see him, and I like that. You get to keep that bit of just like something special for the kid yeah um i don't know if you knew this or not but this film was actually a double feature with this movie and grave of the fireflies like they'd show grave of the fireflies and right afterwards they'd show Toto. oh really i had no idea i didn't know they came out the same year i recognized that and i went wow what a year to have these two movies i did realize it was the same year i had no idea it was like a double feature I mean, it's the perfect recourse, you know? You get your heart ripped out by one movie, and then here comes Totoro along to uh, patch it up for you. Yeah, there really is the vibe you would get from that, yeah. Because Fireflies is, you know, the most depressing movie of all these, and Totoro is, like, the most heartfelt. Like, yeah, just the most comforting, at least. So, yeah, that's pretty that. cool. I like that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I had no idea that they came out back-to-back. So, anything else you want to say about Totoro, or are we good to break into the top five? Love me some Totoro. Totoro is awesome. I wish he was my friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It kind of makes me realize my childhood sucked, because I didn't have Totoro. You know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, you know, these girls are actually living their best life. Yeah, I'm kind of jealous. But uh, we can move on to number five here. And it's the only movie that cracked the top five that's not actually in either of our top five. We just kept dragging each other's uh, higher films down. But we have When Marnie Was There, which I have at six and you have at nine. Uh, it's one of their newer ones, right? I'm pretty sure I saw that. Yeah, well, 2014. Uh, it's one of their newer films. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was really fun. I liked it. Yeah, no, this was one that, again, I watched it originally. I thought it was like, okay, uh, you know, it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't really for me. And then I rewatched it and I was just like, I, mean, I was tearing up at so many different parts because I just felt this girl, the main girl, Anna's struggles so much more in sort of like her not really feeling as if she's truly loved because she sees like the, the things that like her parents get paid to take care of her and she just feels like, she just feels worthless, and then here comes Marnie to actually make her feel better. Yeah, I thought the two girls and their relationship was great. I thought it was really genuine and adorable when they first met uh, on the dock. Uh, really cute, and I just think the vibe of it, once again, the water looked gorgeous. Just like the summer feel to it. It really feels like a perfect summer animated flick, kind of like Luca 
where it's just these two people uh, near the water with this gorgeous summer vibe, just hanging out and becoming best friends. Uh, it was really sweet. I really liked the first like 80% of it. Uh, the reason why it's at six, because I was really enjoying this movie. Uh, I thought the twist at the end was obvious, and then they had a big like, oh my gosh, what a twist moment. And I was like, I knew that, like, you know, maybe for the kids, this was a big moment for them. But, you know, I don't want to brag, but like, I'm 24, 25. I cracked the code before you guys, Marnie. So I already knew that, uh, you know, she was going to be related. Um, so it wasn't a twist for me. It was more so like eye rolling. Oh my gosh. Like you're not like you need to really paint this out for me. Like they had to spell it out for me. Quentin, they are related. And I was like, I, I know this movie. I know it. I'm 24 years old. I'm pretty smart. You know, I, I picked it up when you were hinting at it earlier. You didn't need the big reveal, but yeah, the, the big reveal kind of like halted. And that was like the end, like it was the reveal. And then it was over credits. Like there was no like nice calming ending. It was reveal over. So uh, the, like the last five minutes was kind of dumb and pointless, but uh, you know, I guess the kids liked it. What's funny about that is that from, I've seen this sentiment shared a lot around is that um, a lot of people thought that Marnie and Anna were going to like get together. Uh, just because like the interactions kind of feel very loving in that sense. And then the twist is revealed and everyone's like, oh, okay then. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, when I was watching, I was like, oh, I bet people really thought this is a real portrait of a lady on fire moment here where these two girls are, uh, super into each other. I, to me, it was very similar to Luca where I didn't really thought that they were into each other either. I just thought it was friends being friends. Like, I don't know. I feel like when I was a kid, I was very touchy with like my best friends. Like I would hug them and stuff. So I felt like Luca and when Marnie was there, I think both of them have that mentality of, oh, they're really cute together. They, they, they love each other kind of thing. But I, you know, I just thought it was just kids being kids. Yeah. I never got the loving vibe. I thought they were just really close. Like they really needed each other in this movie. They were exactly what each other was really wanting in that moment. They both needed a friend. And so it felt so genuine how much they loved each other as a friend. Um, so I love, like I saw the twist that they were, you know, that she was the mother. Uh, like I wasn't super mind blown by this. Uh, well, not even the mother, the grandmother. But I thought the, yeah, I thought the twist was kind of obvious. I thought they kind of hinted at it quite a few times by the time we got there that, you know, they, they, they didn't need to, like, hit it over the head. But I, I, I like the twist. I like the fact that it really was as if they were drawn together. Like, they were always meant to be friends together. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, you're totally right about the vibe of this film. Like, I, it's... It felt so immersive. I felt like I was taken out of my room. I was just put in this really nice, calming, swampy, small town where everyone knows each other really well and everyone knows all the landmarks. And there's like this creepy house off in the distance, but it's also kind of mystifying in a sense. It just really, you know, just put me in a really comforting place for it. And obviously the story they tell in that setting is really engaging. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought that was really cool. And I'm glad they acknowledged that she is real. At first, it was like, oh, is she in her head? Like, well, obviously, you know, like, you know, she, 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 you know. Um, I don't want to get into too much spoilers, but I do like, <laughs> which we kind of already done, but I do like the uh, the fact that they kind of like 
make it very clear with the ending, like who's there and who's real. And it, it just feel, yeah, it felt like a genuine relationship. I really liked the two of them together. They seemed like real friends. So uh, there we go. And I think that's like the last like lesser known one. I think these four, I think everyone knows these names. These are more the well-known films. Uh, Totoro cracked in. That would have been like the iconic top five, really. But Marnie snuck in there. But at number four, we have a very well-known film here, Howl's Moving Castle, which I have at five and you have at seven. Yeah, this one is just like, I think, when it compared to the other like Ghibli films that I adore, this one probably has the most objective problems with it. Like the story can be kind of a mess, and uh, the characters can be a bit off sometimes. And I actually didn't know this until recently, but apparently, when it comes to the book this is based off of, you know how the war is like such a big element of this film. Yeah. In the original book, the war was only in like one paragraph. That's it. Oh, really? That's funny. Yeah, I mean, he obviously stretched it out because uh, he was very upset about, I think, like, the Iraq war going on at the time. Uh, but I think that, putting those problems aside, this movie's so great. I love the atmosphere, I love the music. I want a sitcom with these characters because <laughs> uh, I just find them so charming and likable. I love their dynamic. I love the ending. It's just such a great... It's weirdly calming, even though it's all about war and how much war sucks. Uh, and it's done really well in that regard, because I love how it turns out that the war, this war that's, like, killing everybody, is actually just the cause of some guy falling in a bush. I agree with you. I think the characters are all charming. I think that's why I have it at five. It's a big ensemble cast, and I love all the characters. I think the fire, like the the little boy, the woman who is well, the lead girl who's now an old woman. I thought the you know the the Christian Bale Birdman, uh, he's really cool. Howl, uh, yeah, I like all the characters. I think the uh, the old woman that like puts the curse, uh, she's really great in like the first two thirds, and then she kind of becomes like a side character that's just tagging along. I don't know how she ended up being part of this crew in the final moments, but she's there, I guess. Aside from her in the last little bit, everyone's fun. Everyone's great. The The castle looks cool. Everything about this movie looks awesome and epic. Uh, yeah, I, I do really like it. I think the animation is fantastic. Uh, 2004, couldn't believe it. I thought it was going to be like, I thought I would have guessed like 2009. It just looks really cool. Uh, yeah, very fun movie. I really like it. What I love is the character arts. Like, I love how Howell's story and Sophie's story sort of inverse each other, where Sophie's arc is all about learning to love herself and gain more self-confidence, and as she does so, she, like, reverts back a little bit to her younger self. And Howell's arc is all about being less self-absorbed, being able to care for other people, and form a genuine connection. That's true. I didn't really think of how inverse they are. Um... But no, that that's completely true. Yeah, I, I I liked both of them, and I thought, yeah, their relationship together was really fun. The, the lead girl's awesome. I thought she was great, especially being from this old grandmother uh, and her slow transition. Uh, it was just cool, and I really liked her. Yeah, man, I felt bad for her when she turned to an old woman. Like that beginning, man, I felt that. Um, but no, I really liked her. 
Mako's also like weirdly badass. Like she she turns old and she could just throw in the towel, call it a day. But no, she like puts on her bootstrap, she goes finds a wizard to help. And especially in the finale where she's just like trying to get to keep everyone safe and also save Howell by like piloting the castle and stuff. I just think it's really well done. Oh yeah. No, yeah, no. Sophie's a badass. I love her. She's she's really cool. Yeah, I really like her. Honestly, uh, reflecting on all these movies, I kind of realized uh, their protagonist, like their lead character is always cool. It's hard to think of a movie from this group that has like a lame protagonist, like a lame lead character. They're all for Kills the from Earth Sea. Well, well, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Earth Sea literally, worst part's the lead. Uh, Ocean Waves, I don't really like the lead girl. Uh, so, you know, the ones in the bottom, I guess. But yeah, for the most part, like, one of the best parts is the lead. Like, they're just so much fun. So, I love the music. It's so good. I love that one track, The Merry Go Round of Life. It's just such a great emotional piece. Joe Hisaishi, he kills it every time. Yeah, no, it uh, it is really cool. I agree with you. I, uh, I, th- I thought everything about it was epic. I, I had a really good time with this one. Yeah, I think this one, similar to Castle in the Sky, really cool family adventure. Like, it's definitely, like, more intense. So, like, you know, if I was going to, like, recommend it to a six-year-old, I might recommend Castle in the Sky. But Howl's is just, like, a fun, epic adventure. Um, I don't, I, I'd be down to rewatch this one quite a few times. I think it's just, it's a really fun movie. I can see why this is considered one of Ghibli's more well-known best films. You're right, it's, it's messy at times. But just the animation, the characters, uh, I thought the journey that they went on and their own personal arcs, really fun. Uh, and then Mike Wazowski's a uh, flame. Like, what more could you want? Exactly. Also, note to Ghibli, we've already, through this podcast, we've already given you, like, three awesome suggestions for TV shows. I want the Howl's Moving Castle TV show. I, we want the My Neighbors, the Amadas TV show. We want the Nausicaa show. Just make it happen. Put it on Disney Plus Original. I don't care. Just do it. Yeah, I would definitely keep my Disney Plus subscription if they made a Howl's Moving Castle TV show, Yamada's. Yeah, th- those would be good shows. I agree with that. I mean, you know, probably don't want to overmerch them, so that's probably the right choice to just not make sequels. But yeah, it'd be cool in an alternate universe. All right, are we ready for number three here? Hell yeah! All right, <laughs> so we're in the top three, and we are getting into some uh, one of our number one here. And that is, unfortunately, Spirited Away. I have this at number nine, and you have this at number one. So I'm glad I cracked the top three. Yeah. Sorry. I, I killed it here. But, yeah, at least to crack the top three here. We got uh, definitely the most well-known Ghibli film. Uh, what almost a lot of people would say as their favorite of all time, animation-wise. Not just Ghibli, but just animation films, period. Uh, Spirited Away. Yeah, I mean, they're not wrong. But is, is this your favorite animated film of all time? It might be. I've been meaning to, once I finish like all the Disney movies, I'm going to make a big just animated movies ranked list. I don't think I have like, the top five decided. And Spirited Away, gotta be number one. And I think this is such an intricately detailed, intricately thought out, well laid out world with just amazing characters that I love. I, like, there's not a single character I dislike in this movie. Just everyone's so likable. Even the villains, or the antagonists, they're just so likable. I love the character arc. 
that Chihiro goes on, and it kind of it's like what happens with Sophie. Like she, like Chihiro is put in such an awful, terrible position, but she knows she's her only hope of saving everybody. So she buckles down and actually works towards this goal. And along the way, she's able to save No Face. She's able to save Haku, and it's just so heartwarming. To, and the imagination just is through the roof with this one, in my opinion. Yeah, this film, I don't personally love it, but for an animated film, it might be like just one of the best animated films like the wonderment and just all the designs of the characters and the world building it is fantastic it really does feel like you're teleported into this dreamlike state like this is a vivid horrifying dream that you're in with all these crazy character designs that all fit in this world it is it is really cool. It is a really fun film. Uh, this is the first one I showed to my fiance when we were watching it. Uh, she only saw a couple of these, and this was the first one for her. And I was only planning on showing her this one, but she watched this one and loved it so much that she then like insisted she watch some of these other ones with me because she was just mesmerized by just Ghibli's way of creating such a weird world. It is it is a weird movie, and it's still surprising to me that this is like a lot of people's number one. Like, even people that I know aren't super into movies, like, they'd still be like, oh, yeah, Spirit Away is one of my favorite films. And that's crazy to me because it's just so weird. But it's awesome. Like, it's great that this is such a beloved movie. I wish I loved it more like everyone else. I unfortunately don't. Uh, And it's more so, like, personal reasons. I uh, had a terrible experience with this growing up, and I just... I don't, know. I don't know if I'll ever rewatch unless Andrew really wants me to. Um, but I can admire and appreciate that this film's just awesome. Like this, it is a it is a pretty well made film. It's epic. It's exciting. I agree with you. It is really good. I mean, I'm definitely gonna rewatch it because it's coming back to theaters pretty soon. Like they're bringing back a ton of the uh, a couple of the Ghibli films to show in theaters, and I'm really looking forward to that. But you know, back to Spirited Away. I just think. I think it's crazy that this is. I think it's sad that like the Academy does not really recognize foreign animation very often, if at all. Like this is the, coming knowledge is like the only foreign animated film to actually win. But I just have to think like this film is so good, even the Academy voters could not ignore how good it is. It's just that's insane to me. Yeah, I, I actually agree with you on that. I think it is a testament that foreign animated film won the second one like this was like right at the beginning and even they were like okay yeah we can acknowledge this is awesome so that is really impressive because yeah no other one has won to my knowledge as well i can't think of any for the animated category and that's yeah that's just a testament to how great it is yeah that is really cool that it was able to win the second animated award uh and i hope uh, i hope ghibli wins some more i would say that some of these should have won uh well, well i guess a lot of the really good ones came out before the Academy. So I guess we can give give them a pass since the anime had started in 2001. So I, I guess I'll give them a pass because a lot of the ones that I think should be acknowledged, uh, they actually, uh, you know, they, they came out before. I definitely think Howl's Moving Castle should have won over Wallace and Gromit. I think uh, Wind Rises should have won over Spirited Away. Uh, sorry, the, it should have won over what? The Wind Rises should have won over Frozen. Oh, sorry, sorry. I thought you said over Spirited Away, and I was like, what? Oh, no, I think I did say that, and I just confused no, okay, them in my brain. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, you're right. I forgot how his movie Castle uh, came out then. Yeah, uh, I probably would put that over Walls and Grumman too. Um, I take that back. That would have been a good one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's definitely exceptions. I agree with you. But uh, yeah, hopefully they start acknowledging it more. Uh, we need to get Ghibli and other foreign animated films more hype, more love. Yeah, just give it to Pixar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or they'll just pick Pixar again, you know, like, like, like what they always do. Except for the two times uh, you just mentioned Howl's and Wind Rises. They lost to non-Pixar movies. Come on, now is their chance, the Academy. Come on, what are you doing? You had his last film, the Wind Rises. Well, not his last film, because he's making another one. But you had his last film, so good. There weren't really any other big, great studio releases. But because Frozen made more money and made a bigger impact on America, because, you know, Disney, they're like, let's just make pick this pretty mediocre movie over this freaking awesome one <laughs> you should just be the academy tracks uh, you should be the one that decides the winner every time i submitted my application but they haven't gotten back to me <laughs> that's shocking oh yeah that's crazy so yeah so spirit away uh, it's a monumental film it's considered one of the best animated films ever made uh if not the greatest it it is great i'm sure everyone has seen it. I think I was the last person to not have seen it. Uh, I like I saw the sprinkles of it from my childhood, but I watched it for the first time like two weeks ago, fully. It's a good movie. There's one that I look at. And I'm like, man, I wish I grew up with this. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched. I did that with a lot of these movies. Actually, I was like, man, if I watched this as a kid, like especially my neighbor Totoro, he put it at ten. I was like, man, I feel like if I was a kid, I would have totally fucking loved this movie, but. You know, uh, that's just how it is. Uh, but we have our top two here, and we can move on to number two. It's actually a tie between the two movies, so we're going to go, obviously, in the order that Trex then put them in. So at number two, we're going to have Grave of the Fireflies, which I have at number one, and Trex has at number three. So, you know, we, we both have this in our top three. Uh, fantastic film. Uh, this is my number one, and it, it was by far and above my favorite. I love this movie. This was the only one of all 23 to make me cry. Like, I, I bawled. I, I was depressed. I was moved by this. It was powerful and beautiful. I really liked it. Yeah, it's crazy to me that within, like, the first five minutes, it has me crying over, over characters that I haven't even really been introduced to yet. But just the way it's portrayed and the way you can kind of tell... How we're gonna learn about their story and just I love the scene of like him reuniting with his sibling in the afterlife and it was and it just it does not let up from there, you know, it's just time and time again they get pushed back down by this ensuing war and they're just trying to straight by and eat, like just out from the outset they tell you these kids are not gonna make it. And it's just it's crazy, man. Yeah, this is probably my favorite or second favorite war film of all time. Like, it is just, you know, it's much of a war film as it is. There's no, like, crazy action scenes or anything. It's just more of just the destruction and despair of war. It is depressing and sad and real. Like, it's an animated film, but it feels the most real to me when I watched this for in regards to war. It was brutal. The two kids are fantastic, and it's just sad to see them in such a terrible place. Like, this movie really is, like, the opposite of Totoro, where they they want to 
beat you over the head of these two have the worst fucking life ever and it is terrible uh, the montage of the girl disappearing uh and like that circular montage was just devastating uh a- andrea walked into the room and she just saw that scene and she turns around to me and she's like this is fucked up and then she walked away like she like she didn't watch it this was way back a few months when i started because it was one of the newer or one of the earliest ones so she, she just saw that one scene and she walked away like shocked that a animated film would do this but it's 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 brutal this is not for the faint of heart this is a it's a tough watch yeah i don't think i can ever really watch it again it's i know it's a masterpiece I don't think I ever really can stomach it again. It's just so dark and depressing, and that's what makes it so great. But you just, I can't bring myself to go back to it because it's so just dark, man. I don't, I don't even really know what to say. My words cannot do it justice. Yeah, it's really hard to describe this because it's just a purely emotional film like it's a pretty light on plot story of just these two people struggling and yeah it's really not much we can say but it's it's definitely an experience yeah i it's one of the earliest ones i watched because it came out in 88 so it was quite a while since i've seen it but when i watched it uh you know it's 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 stuck with me it's been quite a few months and it's probably one of the ones i remember the most just because it's so in your mind um yeah, I don't know if I'll ever need to rewatch it, but I might rewatch it just because Andrew hasn't seen it yet fully. So I might see it eventually. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tough watch for sure. Yeah. I, let me ask a question: Why is this film the only Ghibli film that was not put on Netflix and HBO Max? Why? You couldn't have left off like Ocean Waves or something. No, you had to do like one of the best ones. You had to. No, I get it. Like the rights are all mixed up, but. Man, this film deserves to be seen by as many people as possible if I can stomach it. I didn't realize this was on HBO Max. Uh, this was on Netflix when I watched it. I just checked right now, and it's not in the Canadian Netflix right now, so they took it off. But um, but when I watched it, it was on there. But yeah, it's not on the uh, HBO Max, which is crazy. Yeah, this is, you know, it's my number one. It's, it's fantastic. But yeah, maybe it's because it's so just depressing and terrifying. Yeah. I mean, it's on uh, it's on Hulu here, so I guess that's something. But it just feels weird that this film is so separated from the rest of the catalog. But it, you look at its themes, I don't think they meant to do this, to separate it like this, but it almost kind of deserves to be just because it's so much darker than everything that's come before it and after it. Yeah, no, I agree. This is very different from the rest yeah it's just completely different in feel there's no hope in this movie there's no excitement there's no i've said this like a hundred times childlike wonder in this there's there's nothing like that it's just sad and terrible um it's 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 fantastic i i I really like it i don't know if this is about me to have like the one depressing movie at number one but i really like it all right, so that means that number one here, uh, we, we all know what it is now. We both have this at number two, but it ended up being number one f- as a whole, and that is going to be Princess Mononoke. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, I, generally, yeah. Yeah, I think that's how it is. Yeah, uh, great great film. I, obviously, we both have that too. This, this is another like great action film. Uh, 
I love the whole idea of, you know, like saving nature. It's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of like Avatar, right, Trex? It's, you know, it's just as good. I mean, it's like Avatar, but it's like, it actually feels a bit more grounded. Like, I think you described it best in your review where it's not like just a company pretending to care about the environment. You can tell this is a guy who cares deeply for nature and he doesn't want to see he doesn't want to see humans continue to destroy the earth like this and for nature to have to rise up against us yeah it really felt like it really cared like it really wanted to get its message across it didn't feel like it was a marketing tactic like it didn't yeah it definitely felt like it was just genuinely this is just a story they wanted to tell and genuinely were like it was so epic it was so much fun i really like it yeah, it's, it's it's cool. I I thought the animation looked great. Uh, the 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 big wolves are epic, uh, and I thought the way that they move through the forest and just like the speed with it, it just the animation looks cool. Like it really looks like it's happening. Uh, it's it's cool. Yeah, I just I I kind of go back and forth with this and Spirit Away in terms of being my absolute favorite because it's just there's so much good in it. It's like the themes are so well done. The music is to die for. The animation is insane. Like it, it feels like it came out today, but it came out in the nineties. The the characters are so likable and multifaceted, and it kind of goes back to like there aren't even really true antagonists. Like sure, there's like the one lady who rules over her iron village, but like it doesn't feel like she just wants to destroy nature for the heck of it. She wants what's best for her people. And I really love how nothing in this world is black and white and just, it all combines to make just this amazing experience. And like Ashitaka and San are like really likable and badass. I don't know. I could go on for, to, for about this movie for days. Yeah. Even the bad guy is cool. Like, you know, it's so like cartoonishly evil and like, awesome and manipulative uh i thought yeah i thought every character in this film was needed every character kind of worked off each other really well and uh yeah i thought the ending was awesome like i, I was fist pumping i was like fuck yeah like you know it was just like a such a fun hero film I, I i like it yeah it's really fun the lead character once again is great um yeah i just the whole movie is very epic i agree with you i think uh yeah this one in spirit away uh is, is this one the sec sorry is this one the second most well-known ghibli film like this one or totoro or Howl's? i think that's like the top four right i would definitely say yeah i'd say like spirit away is probably the most iconic movie yeah. but totoro is probably the most iconic character and you put smononoke and howl are just really up there in terms of iconicness that's a good point yeah i think totoro yeah he's he's like the icon of the company and spirit away is the movie so, yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. That was probably the top two then. But, yeah, but Prince of Mononoke, uh, one of their more well-known ones, and uh, for good reason. I think it's it's awesome. How long is it? Because it really does fly by. It does not feel long. Uh, let me quickly... Usually, Ghibli films struggle with pacing, but this one just... I think it's one of the longer ones, yeah. but... Yeah, I just checked. It's yeah. just... It's so tightly paced where there's not a second where something interesting isn't going on. Even if the scene is slower there's still so much intrigue in the moment that it keeps me engaged throughout the entire thing, no matter how many times I watch it. 
Yeah, it's uh, almost the same length as Princess Kaguya, and we were saying how that one drags because it's too long. Uh, this one doesn't drag at all. Like, it feels like it's going too fast. Like, so much happens. It's great. I also love how the, wor the world they set up, it is really fantastical, but it feels so grounded. And it feels like something I, I think that most Ghibli films do really well is that by the end of them, you're almost able to like map out the location in your head. And that's what you're able to do here. You're, it really immerses you in the setting where you can go like, all right, this guy needs to go this direction to get to this place. And it just, it puts you in the setting so much more and it allows you to really feel what these characters are feeling. Yeah, I think that's a good point, how grounded yet still fantastical it feels. It definitely hits that medium where you feel like this is real, but it's still like this beautiful world that they created. Uh, it does have that happy medium. I agree with that. Yeah, a great film, a great number one. Uh, a good list. Honestly, uh, as a whole, to reflect on Ghibli, I think Ghibli is great. I think um, it's kind of like the opposite of Pixar, where I think Pixar has like some of the highest of highs in the animation and some of the lowest of lows. I like there's a lot that I don't you know, there's quite a handful of Pixar I don't love. This one, I uh, like I really love two of them and uh, the rest of them I would say are like four out of five. I think uh, most of these are just solid, great films and there's very little stinkers. Like there's nothing outstanding and there's nothing absolutely dreadful. I feel like it's just Every time you get a Ghibli film, you know it's going to be quality. You know it's going to be solid. Yeah, I definitely think that compared to like, I would much rather watch the worst of Ghibli than the worst of Pixar or DreamWorks or Disney because it, it this feels like a company that's not driven necessarily by profit. It feels like a company that's driven by people wanting to tell stories and just say something to say whatever's on the creator's mind and i think they do it so well obviously some films are better than others but again it's like this baseline quality you know you're getting something that's at least pretty good but most likely great when it comes to picking out a new ghibli film no that's a good point every other animation studio loves to make sequels loves to just make a quick way to make some money because uh, you know like anime you know it's e it's easy to get the kids back into the theaters to watch toy story 5 or cars 4 like you know it's, it's a, oh they already know lightning mcqueen they already know these characters let's get them in the theaters uh even these boring ones like ocean waves and tale from Earthsea, they try to think of a creative story it just doesn't really work that well in film but at least they tried. At least they tried to think of something unique and something new to put into the film. Uh, yeah, Ghibli isn't trying to make a, a quick buck here. They're not trying to churn out whatever content they can to make some money. They're trying to think of some creative, well-thought-out animated stories. And I think that is kind of what makes them exciting. Uh, yeah, Sue Ghibli's pretty solid. I am beyond excited for uh, Hayao Miyazaki's new movie called, like, How Do You Live? Everyone needs to be on the lookout for that because it's going to be like the greatest movie of all time. Like he is, re I think he's been working on it since like 2016. I want to think uh, I saw it in like a documentary, but he's just like he's like really toiling away. That he's trying to make it as good as possible, and it may not be out for like a little bit, but it's, I really do. It's like my most hyped movie by far. Yeah, it, it 
I'm sure it's going to be great. Yeah, he's a fantastic director, and to have that much work put into it, like that many years, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's going to be pretty good. Uh, and no release date yet, so hopefully it's soon. Who knows? Uh, does he normally work this long on movies since 2016? So like he's worked five years on. It. Is that normal? I'm not too. I don't really. I've just followed him for the last few months. I don't really know. I mean, you think about it. Uh, it's like you know, like Spirited Away was like 2001. Uh, it came out in 2004, and then Howl's Moving Castle came out in 2004, so I'd say he's definitely working on this a bit longer. Um, but, you know, I think he's totally, he says he wants, like, frames of animation, he wants to see, it's going to be fully 2D, so don't worry, people who think that Jubilee's only going to make 3D movies from now on. He's trying to make it as good as it can be, and obviously, like, the pandemic's probably slowed him down a bit. And yeah, I just hope that, like, Ghibli is able to continue on after this. I just hope that they hire new people uh, to direct movies that maybe don't always have to have Miyazaki in their name and just get more creative talents in there to carry on the porch of the studio. And if not, they're still like, they're, they're weird, they're like successor studio, Studio Panak, that can like make films like theirs. Yeah, uh, doing a quick look here, definitely looks like uh, at the beginning it took him like a year or two to make each movie, but lately uh, it took him four years to make Ponyo, five years to make The Wind Rises, and uh, we're, we're on five years now, so, and it looks like it's not coming out this year, so it looks like it's at least six years for uh, this new movie. So yeah, it looks like he's putting more time into his films, and uh, it shows The Wind Rises I loved, and yeah, I'm excited to watch his new film. Uh, yeah, Ghibli... Like I said, you always know you're going to get good content, at least. I feel like all their movies at least hit. They, they hit more than they miss. But yeah, Absolutely. That's, that's what makes it great. Uh, yeah, I know you're a big animated guy. Is this your favorite studio uh, when it comes to animation, or do you prefer, like... Well, you prefer Sony, right? You really love the Emoji movie? Yeah, I love Sony. I love Illumination. Like, yeah. didn't I tell you you need to do the Illumination rank? I was like, why did you do Ghibli, dude? <laughs> Everyone wants the Illumination yeah, exactly. Well, I always do what the people want. I, I go to my guests and I ask them what they want to do. So if, if you told me Illumination uh, in January, I would have said, okay, let's do what we're doing Illumination. I, I would have done whatever. Yeah, it was up to you guys. No one's picked Illumination yet. I don't know why. I don't know why people aren't hyped to talk about Minions and Despicable Me too. I mean, I've seen the Twitter polls. But it's what the people want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. If a guest comes to me and says, I want to do Illumination, uh, I'm buckling up and I'm going for the ride. I'll, I'll watch Secret Life of Pets, too. I'm ready to go. Back to your question, I would say that it's kind of hard, because I feel like the eternal debate is always going to be Ghibli versus Pixar. Disney is like, I haven't seen enough of their work to really put my foot down, but they just make so many movies, and a lot of them aren't that great. But a lot of them are also, are really good. But anyway, yeah. I grew up with Pixar, right? It's hard to ignore all that personal baggage that comes with it. And, I mean, they certainly make a lot more movies than... I mean, like, they're, they have, may have about the same movies now, but they put out more on a more consistent basis. And, yeah, their films really emotionally impact me. But, at the same time, Ghibli, I just feel like, has such a high bar of quality that they very rarely strive for. They don't ever do any cheap cash grabs because there's not some big greedy corporation leaning over their shoulder telling them, hey, wouldn't a Cars 4 be really cool? I just think it's 
I would say that I probably love Pixar just a tad more for that emotional connection. Uh, but I think objectively, I think Ghibli might take the cake here. Yeah, I think I'm the same way. I personally love Pixar more, but there's the biasness of just I grew up with those movies. Like when I was a kid, those were the ones I watched, not these ones. So that's just a biasness here. Uh, on paper, I think these stand up well. I think this is a, a very strong studio that makes really great animated films uh, and i think more people are, are aware of it i think uh spirit away was great and i think uh, since they're on netflix and hbo max i think it's easy to uh quickly just throw them on and check them out so i'm glad that uh you know i think they've kind of stood the test of time i think people uh still enjoy them today that's awesome i just hope more people learn about them and aren't scared off by the fact that you know like it's it's like a weird anime thing because I mean, people need to get over that mentality in general, but I think that it's like, I think that they're, they're just keeping themselves out from such great experiences by refusing to watch these films because they're so great. And I know a ton of people who just refuse to watch these films. And I'm like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, bro. Uh, yeah. I didn't refuse to watch them, but I, you know, I wasn't really like, you know, I, I probably I probably still wouldn't seen any of these if I didn't do this podcast. So, you know, I, I kept pushing it aside. But once you jump into the world, uh, you easily bingeable these films. Uh, they're easy to throw on and start checking them all out. So that's what makes them great. Uh, yeah, I, I had a great time, Trex. Uh, great choice here. I'm glad you picked this and not Illumination. This was a lot more enjoyable to sit through and watch them all. So, yeah, a really good time. I thought the list was great. I thought the films were we're, uh, we're great. Uh, good pick. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. This was a blast. Yeah, uh, it's always fun to talk about uh, animated films with people. I agree with that. So anyways, uh, we'll uh, wrap it up here. We'll see you next time, Trex, when we do uh, Illumination Ranked. I um, can't wait to do that with you. Also, didn't we have, like, um, didn't we say we'd do, like, the animated, best animated feature ones? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, we should do that. That'd be fun. Yeah, I'll have to look at yeah. that list again. I think I've seen but, most of those already, so we could literally do that, like, you know, tomorrow. But, no, okay. We wanted to wait for the next Academy Awards. That's right, out. that's right. You're right. Yeah, we did talk about that. Yeah, so we'll do that, like, yeah. next February. But I'm though, down for that. Yeah, we can do that. Elimination no, rank, though, uh, that is that is true hype. That, that'd be a good list, man. Those are good movies, uh, most of the winners there. I think we'd have to go the reverse order. Like, we'd say the best up front, and then we'd we could go down as, like, okay, this, it just descends down the rabbit hole yeah, yeah you can just go on rants for all those movies it's a good lineup i have the biggest lorax rant ever man. <laughs> yeah yeah that's right no for sure yeah we'll have to figure out which is like the worst but yeah that's uh that's everything on my end here uh have a fantastic day guys see ya yeah